morning, and I'm titled the message, Surprisingly, He Lives. I'm sure that, you know, we all have heard that this morning. It's exciting, and I want us to be excited that Jesus lives. Jesus is alive this morning. But what does that mean when we say he lives? You know, every Easter in the United States of America, churches fill up across the United States. There are churches today that, that maybe have a difficulty even getting into the doors because so many people are at church this morning. And I just rejoice in the Lord. I praise God that there are people in church this morning. And I pray for every pastor and every church out there today. I told you last week that every person who comes into the church, our church or somebody else's, that they will have revival in their spirit and that they won't just come on Easter, but they will come the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And they'll let God radically transform their life. No matter if if it's the Methodist church down the street, the Presbyterian church, no matter if whatever church, independent, doesn't matter, Baptist, whatever, that they get into church, that they let God transform their life. Because let me tell you something, I know a lot of pastors that are different denominations and, and, and you know, independent, whatever, and all of them, they're not doing it for anything other than to see people come to Christ and, and their lives transform. And when we say he lives without him, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, the song by, by uh, uh, I think it was Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote this song, but because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I can do things I can never imagine. You know, I, I was listening to a story yesterday in, in San Antonio, Texas, a number of years ago. There was a strip club in San Antonio, Texas. There was an evangelist who came to the strip club owner and says, I would like to preach in your strip club. I would like to preach a service in your strip club. And they're like, so the owner went to the wife and says, well, what do you think about this? And he goes, uh, she goes, well, you know, there's no bad publicity. And if we have a preacher in our, I mean, we're going to get all the publicity we want. So he came and he preached the strip club. And two years later, he was having a, he was holding a revival service in San Antonio. And he did a, a Easter sunrise service. Anybody know what a sunrise service is? That's where you get up at the crack of dawn. And then you go out somewhere and watch the sun come up as you uh, have a service out there. And growing up in Murfreesboro, Arkansas, we had one at Lake Greeson. And it was a little crazy because you'd go out there to Lake Greeson, and it was always cool. And the wind would be blowing across that lake. And I was in a a youth choir one year. We were out there singing um, a song. Uh, It's called the Easter Song. I think second chapter of Acts did it. Um, That that was an older group, for those of you who don't know. But we were out there seeing the winds blowing. Man, it was so cold. But that, that sunrise service, well, he preached a sunrise service. This evangelist did, and the, the owner's wife was at the sunrise service. And at the end of the service, he gave a prayer, and she called him up and says, Hey, could, could, you, um, could you tell me, uh, uh, could you give me that prayer? Could you send it to me? He's like, Yeah, yeah, I'll bring it by to you. So he showed up. He came by. I said, I need to talk to you anyway. So he showed up to their house, and, and they, he was at their house, and he come in and he says, "Hey, I, I was wondering, can I preach in your, can I preach in your uh, strip club again?" And they're like, "Man, we got a lot of publicity the last time. Sure, you can do it again." And so they said, "Sure." Well, then the husband says, "Well, you know, uh, would you like to stay with us?" Not expecting the evangelist to say yes, and the evangelist said, "Yeah, I'll stay with you." And so the whole week that he was at this having this revival, the whole week he stayed with this couple, these strip club owners, and they got up and he. Uh, he, he, he had the, the service, 
And then he invited them at the strip club. And, and of course, people were laughing at him, whatever. But then he invited the owners. I want you to come uh, um, to, to my service. But what he didn't know is while he had, uh, while he had gave that message, the strip club owners were saved. So that night when they came, he says, okay, then I want y'all to come with me, and I want you to tell your story to this big crowd in the stadium. And they got up and told the story to the crowd in the stadium. And these strip club owners were transformed. Their minds were transformed by the gospel. And they were rich, and they gave, they gave up their strip club. They, they said, never again. They, they owned the strip club. They owned the, the building. He says, never again. Well, we have that. They went and they helped the ladies in there find reputable jobs, uh, respectable jobs, and they went in and they took that strip club and they turned it into a place to reach homeless people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They took their wealth to reach people for Jesus. That is why he lives. Those are the things that change in people's lives because Jesus lives. Now, this morning, I want us to turn to start out with John chapter 20, verse 1 through 20. And I want to read the whole 20 verses because... It is the story of the resurrection, but then we're going to jump backwards into John here in a minute, go back to John 14 and talk a little bit there. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 20, we're going to read out of the New Living Translation in this passage here. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, Jesus' body was gone, folks. Let me tell you something. And if you could come to uh, do uh, our apologetics classes when we have them on Wednesday nights, you will learn more about this and why this is accurate, and we can prove that these things are accurate uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Peter and the other disciples started out to the tomb. The other disciple was John, the guy writing this book. He, 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 called, he referred to himself as the other disciple. And so they started out towards the tomb, and they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. He just said, I'm not going to go in there. Anybody ever been in a grave before? That's what this was. He said, I'm not going to go in. But Simon Peter, now we know Simon Peter, he walked on water, right? Well, he tried, and he messed up. But here's Simon Peter. Simon Peter ain't scared. He ain't worried about it. He arrived, he went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, I want to say something real quick. I heard this message one time, and I like it, so I just want to give you this tidbit because this is not a part of the message, but this is just free, okay? I'm not charging anything extra. One of the things cool about this that you could take with this is this 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 cloth that was covered his face was all nice and folded up. You know, when you go to a restaurant, if you want to let somebody know that you've done a great job, you take, the, you take your napkin and you just throw it down on your plate. You say, oh, I was full. I felt good. But if you don't like the job that they did, if you don't like what's going on, then you fold your napkin up and you put it on the table. And that's to say to, the, to, to that waiter, I don't know that we do this nowadays, but that's to say to the waiter, I don't like this. I don't like the service. I don't like what's going on. So I heard a preacher preach that. I just thought that was neat. I just think that the Lord just said, uh, I don't like this. You know what? This ain't me. I don't need this. I'm getting out of here. Anyway, that's, like I said, that's free. I can't, I can't prove that. I just think that was really cool what that preacher, preacher brought out there, that the Lord said, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You ain't holding me down. And he was raised again. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb, uh, let's see, did I read that? Um, 
first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said that he must rise from the dead. Then they went home and Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. They said, woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the the gardener. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I'll go get him. And Jesus says, Mary. And when he said that, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. She gave them his message. And that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus was alive. He was out of the, out of the grave. They were scared to death that they were, get, they, they were going to be uh, accused of doing this or scared to death. They didn't have anything to do with it. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, and he says, Peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And I just wanted us to read that real quick, just to say, yes, Jesus is alive. This is what we celebrate. This is the resurrection that we celebrate today, that Jesus is alive. But before all of this happened, the disciples, notice the disciples, even after Jesus was raised from the dead, they still did not understand at this point what was going on. But, but even before this, they didn't understand. Remember, the disciples thought that they were looking for a Messiah who was going to free them from the Romans. He was going to carry a sword. I think we talked about this last week when Peter chopped off the ear of the soldier and Jesus bit down and he picked up and put the ear back on. I'm sure Peter was going, you're not helping me at all here. All right. This is not helping. I'm trying to kill this guy and you're, you're, you're healing his body. You know, I'm try, we're trying to lead a revolution here. And Jesus is like, this is not the way we're going to do it. Do you know what I said earlier? You know how the revolution is really led? It's by loving people. You know, Jesus didn't come to, to kill with a sword. He came to show love. The, the Bible says in John chapter 3, 16, that God sent his son, his one and only son, because he loved us that much. He says he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. That's verse 17, that the world through Jesus would be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Talking about that grace, Becky, he came to bring us grace, right? Praise God for that. And that's exactly what our kids are learning back in the back. The last four weeks is about the grace of God and how that, how that correlates with the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So he said, uh, he, come, he comes to the disciples uh, before this, all had occurred. Before the, re, before the resurrection, before the crucifixion, before all this, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you because the disciples are here. They're, they're hearing things that Jesus is saying, but they're not understanding. They're confused. What is going on? What is he talking about? He says, don't be troubled about it. I'm not leaving you for good. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm coming back. Don't worry about it, okay? It's going to be okay. If I go, I will come back. You know where I'm going, and you, and you know the way. Thomas, 
said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? These guys have been hanging out with Jesus for three years. We don't know what you're talking about. That's like the preacher, you know, where the pastor, when the pastor preaches a message and then, then one of the congregants goes out and does something totally opposite of what he preached, and he goes, you knew better. Well, I didn't know what you were talking about. I didn't understand it. Jesus is like, I, I just see sitting there, Jesus looking at Thomas going, man, you guys have never learned. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you such a long time, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? They didn't get any of this stuff. He said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who lives in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me on account of the works themselves. Believe that this, you've seen all these miracles. The Bible says Jesus did so many things that there's not enough books to write it all down. Jesus was out there walking on water, and Peter decided to step out of the boat because he thought he was just as cool as Jesus, and he could walk on water too. And he got his eyes off Jesus and on himself, and he began to sink. There was one point that, the, that, that, that Jesus ends up somewhere else, and, and they're like, how in the world did he get here? They come up on the, on the shore, and, and there's a guy here. His name is Legion because he had a thousand demonic spirits residing in him and nobody could do anything about him and he would break chains and he would do everything else let me tell you something if you don't believe the demonic is real read the bible if you don't think things you think things have changed do you think that we're battling something other than you think we're battling flesh and blood you think that that we're battling a political party out there no we're not battling we're battling against powers and principalities and rulers in the darkness in high places that's what we're battling against And there's only one way we can battle that, and that is with Jesus. Why? Why is he lives important? Because if Jesus doesn't live, we have no power. There is no power in anything that Jesus said. He said that he would be raised three days later. It had to happen. He raised himself. He was hung on a cross, and the Lord let it happen. His father let it happen. He turned his his back. I, I can't look. I can't see it. All that sin that you and I put on Jesus, he, the Lord had to turn and say, I can't, I can't look on that because I'm holy. Most of you adults out here probably have children. There's been some times that, that you have looked at your child and, oh, don't look. Maybe they just hurt themselves, right? Maybe they just got blood squirting out their arm. Oh, I can't look at that. Why? Because it's your child. You don't want to see that on your child. You don't want to see your child hurt. Think what God felt when he looked down and he, he, there's Jesus. I, I can't look. I don't want to look. But Jesus said, to, Jesus said to his disciples, here, this is who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I am the Father. We know, right, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one. 
John chapter 1, what did he tell us? John chapter 1, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word. He was there in the beginning. He was with God. He was a part of it all. Creation, when creation happened, He was a part of it. When Jesus was there, He knew that He was going to have to die so that you could live. He knew that He was going to have to die so that you could live. Why is it important that He lives? Because we can't live without Him. Because of Him, we can't live. We can't get through the things. We have no hope. The blessed hope is that Jesus is going to return one day. He says, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you, but when I do that, I can come back for you. But it's the same thing when He died. He came back because if He didn't come back, we wouldn't have eternal life. We would be lost in our sins. There is no way. Even with all the blood, even with all all the sacrifices that went on, you couldn't be perfect enough. You could not be good enough. You could not get to heaven that way. You needed a Savior. You really need a Savior. So Philip says to him, well, just show us the Father. Let us see. Let us see what's going on. Show it, and then we'll understand. You know, that's what we do in the United States today. And I'm not against understanding and learning, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But today, but today, we as Christians, we say that. We go to church and we go, yeah, well, I don't know. I just don't feel like it. I don't know. You know that, I just don't know about those people. I don't know if I want to hang out with them. I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know if God's really that, you know, I don't know if he's that powerful. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't want to live that way in my business. Maybe I don't want to live that way in, in my workplace. Maybe I don't want to live that way behind the closed door of my house. Mm. Some of us want to live really godly in front of everybody else, but behind the closed door of the house, maybe not so much so. You see, we always, I think we always like to compare ourselves with people, Right? That's just the way we are, especially in the United States. We're always looking at somebody else and going, man, they got a, they got a nice truck, but my truck's nicer. He's got a 4.8, but I got a 5.3. You know? He's got four-wheel drive, but I got all-wheel drive. He's got a two-inch lift kit. I got a three-inch lift kit. Oh, he, he's wearing Coles, and I'm wearing, you know, J.C. Penney's. I don't know which one's better. <laughs> I, got a bit, I get deals at both of them, so I don't know. I don't know what to say but we want to compare ourselves. But you know what we do in Christianity? We do the same thing. We begin to compare ourselves with somebody else. We look and go, well, you know what? I don't think I'm as bad as that person over there. I think I'm pretty, pretty good compared to that person. But you want to know what matters? No matter who this person is and who you are, there's only one thing that is good about you, and that's Jesus died. And Jesus rose from the grave. Because no matter how good you are, you'll never make it to heaven without that. He is the key that unlocks it up. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And when we begin to look, and we begin to do that, and then what we do, we look at the disciples and go, well, I wasn't so bad as the disciples were. They were hanging out with Jesus. Wait a minute. Disciples are on the same level you are. They needed a Savior just as badly as you did. 
He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me on the count of the works themselves. He says, just believe. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. We can have eternal life. We can rejoice in the Lord. We can have a great life. We can have hope if we just believe it, who Jesus is. That's it. That's all we got to do. We just got to believe who Jesus is. And we got to believe that he lives. And in today, in the church today, there has been surveys done by Barn and some other research groups that more and more people in the church today don't know if they believe that Jesus rose from the dead in the church. It is the bedrock. It is the bedrock to everything. Because if he doesn't live, we don't live. If he doesn't live, we have no hope. We have no salvation. We can't do it in ourselves. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. So what? The devil goes to church somewhere every Sunday too because he's. I, I've been in one of those churches. I knew that lady too. Um, you know. Uh, anyway. No, truly. The devil. The devil knows who Jesus is. The devil's working overtime to keep us confused, and, and he ain't everywhere, okay? Only, only the Lord is, is omnipresent everywhere at all times, okay? But the demonic spirits, the demonic, the working out there, it's constantly battling against the Lord and battling against what he wants to do in people's lives, okay? No matter if the church is a church of 30 or 3,000 3, or 30,000 people, the, it doesn't matter because the devil, is, it, he does not want to see you get to heaven, and so with, with these guys right here, they're still confused. And if you remember, after he was raised from the dead, they were still confused. And Jesus appears to them, and he shows them his hands and his feet, and many of them are like, yeah, okay. But then some of them are still like, wait a minute, he could still be a ghost. He says, give me something to eat. Just, just let me, give, me, give me something to eat. So they gave him some food, and he ate it. Now, I think sometimes, you know, I just wonder exactly what all was said at these things because I don't think that the, you know, the Gospels, they could have wrote it out down, but I'm telling you, have you ever sat around some people before? You know, there's some really characters around. In this church alone, we got some characters in here, right? Just think about these guys. These guys are characters. Some of them are fishermen, and you know, fishermen, all they do is lie. That's all they do. My fish is this big. What are you talking about? <laughs> I caught that. I caught that on an ultralight pole. What are you talking about? Yeah, that 25-pound bass? Yeah, I caught an ultralight. Yeah, whatever. There were characters. These guys, man, you had tax collectors. You had a doctor among these guys. And who knows who all else other than the 12 disciples that were out there? Oh, and don't forget Judas, man. That guy was a thief. And he betrayed Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. And it wasn't until after he was raised from the dead they finally start figuring a few of these things. Some of them. Sadly enough, Judas didn't figure it out soon enough. My question to you is, does he live in your life? Because he can live and he can be resurrected, but if he doesn't live in our life, then it doesn't really do a whole lot of good, does it? Does no good. If we say, yeah, Jesus, you live and you're right over here for Sunday morning, but the rest of the week, I'm going to do my thing. Jesus, I agree that you live, but you know what? I'm going to still continue to live my life of death and destruction, even though you don't see it. I think, I think it was talked about in our life discipleship class this morning. This life of death and destruction, 
Death is in us until Jesus comes in us and brings life. Sin is a cancer in our body. It is killing us. Even if you die a healthy person, sin is a cancer. Spiritually, it is eating at you. And this morning, you may be here this morning and you may say, you know what? I have allowed that in my life to eat at me. I have not given my life 100% totally to the Lord. I may be at church this morning, but I haven't given it totally to the Lord. Well, the great thing is, there's nothing special about it. We all can come to Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and life. Everyone who comes to him and believes in him, through him, he is the key to heaven. He's the key to getting to the Father. He lives today, and I want us to rejoice in that. We, we sorrow in our sin, and we sorrow that Jesus had to die for us. But we, re, but we rejoice that that wasn't the end. And I'm sure you've heard a sermon one time in your life, if you've ever went to church, that when Friday came and Jesus was laid in the tomb, Sunday was on its way. And today we rejoice and we glorify the risen Savior because over 2,000 years ago he said, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back to life. Now here's what I want to say because I almost tiled this message something totally different because this is what I got excited about. At the first of John there, he says, if I go away, I will go to prepare you a place and I'm coming back. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of things people are going through today, and the one hope that you need, the one hope that you need after you've received Jesus is that he went away, but he's coming back. And no matter what happens politically here in in another country, no matter what happens in the church, it doesn't matter. The one thing that is true and will stay true is he died, he was resurrected, he lives, and because he lives, he's coming back for us one day. He's preparing a place for us. And, and it just, it makes me think of something here. I'm going to pick on my brother since he's here. My brother's having to make a move because of his job. And so what did he do? He had to go and prepare a place. He had to go and find a place to live because they, they live in, in uh, Sheridan. But he had to go and find a place. And he had to, and his family's going to, you know, be able to visit him down there and do some things when he's, when he's having to work, you know. But that's what Jesus did. He went to prepare a place for us. So that when he comes back for us, we're going to have a place to go to. He's thinking about us right now. He's thinking about you right now. And he's wanting you to make the right decision. The decision is for him. That's the decision he wants to make. So he could say, hey, hang on a second. I got another place I got to build right over here, okay? Because I got somebody else coming. And just a side note. You want it big? Serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, with all your strength. You look at the scriptures, there's going to be some difference in heaven. And those people who serve the Lord with everything, when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, man, this is pretty nice. Instead of a Toyota, I got me a Mercedes. You know? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think Japanese vehicles are in heaven. I don't know. Uh, Chevy. But anyway, I don't know where you are with the Lord. I don't know where you are with the Lord this morning. But I want you to be so close to him, so close to him. And uh, start that song, Nina, back there.